This reading expresses the importance of the family unit within Israelite society. It depicts a wife who is devoted to the loving care of her family. A reading from the book of Proverbs. A capable wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy, her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the city gates. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 1, found on page 4 of your service bulletin. Would you please stand and sing? the Christian community to step up to the moral demands of their faith. The grace of God is stronger than our human tendency to fall short in resisting evil. A reading from the, a reading from the letter of James. Who is wise and understanding among you? 
Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your from your cravings and that are that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain cannot obtain it. So you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and the disciples passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for they had been arguing with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. I have to start with a little joke. Um, About a month ago at Men's Club, we had been here, we'd had communion, we were sitting at Steak and Shake, um, having breakfast as we typically do. And Don said to me that coming up, he was going to ask the ladies a question. And I said, oh, dear, <laughs> here, here we go. Um, I don't want to be there. He said, they did so well with that garden, we should ask them to raise chickens, too. <laughs> he said, not for the chickens, for the eggs. Um, we had the reading this morning from Proverbs about the good wife. How many women measure up? Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, reading that and, and thinking about butter and eggs, egg money, uh, my grandmother, we found some of her diaries from the Dust Bowl years. She lived out in Kansas. They lived in Kansas. And um, she took cream and eggs and sold them, uh, made butter, 
and that was her butter and egg money, and that was what she kind of ran the household on. One year, my grandfather had to uh, go over to the county seat to register the farm truck to get the tag for the farm truck, and that was going to take $10 to get the tag for the farm truck, and that was her butter and egg money for the year. Um, so it was hard out there on the plains. The, the siblings also tell the story. Um, for years, there had not been good snow in the wintertime, and um, so the winter wheat did not come in well. And one year, there was snow, and the winter wheat came in, and it was doing great. And then a hailstorm came through and threshed that wheat right there in the field. And my grandmother, standing on the back porch, looking out at a field full of hail, said, well, go get the cream, let's have ice cream. Um, you didn't get ice out there very often. If there was ice, you might as well have ice cream. But it's important to note in this passage about the good wife, um, first of all, we're talking about um, women of the upper class. Um, she has servant girls. She gets up early in the morning and she gives her servant girls tasks for the day. She's also independently wealthy. She has enough money to buy a field. She sees a field that she wants. She buys it. She plants a vineyard. Um, so first of all, we're talking about folks who are of the moneyed class. And secondly, and most importantly, we have to understand that the book of Proverbs is addressed to young men, teenagers really, um, of the upper classes. These were boys, adolescents, who were about to take their place in the court of the king as the king's advisors. We're talking about city boys. We're talking about people who have some money. They're going to go sit at the king's table, eat uh, with the king, and give the king advice. And the book of Proverbs is basically a manual on how to stay out of trouble um, for these young boys. Don't open your mouth if you don't have to. Wisdom is more often shown by silence than by speaking too much. Don't get angry. That never brings about God's um, purposes. Uh, keep your temper. Um, and over and over and over again, these boys are warned about wine and wily women. Um, watch out for those seductresses. They will get you into trouble every time. Um, and so it would be easy to come away from the book of Proverbs with um, the understanding that women were the source of all problems in the world. Um, we might, we might want to think that, but no. This is the last poem in the book of Proverbs. It's the thing that the author wants these young boys to take away from this book. It's carefully written. It's an acrostic. Each line begins with the next letter of the alphabet. And it's addressed to men. Remember that this is addressed to men, not to women. It would be very easy at the court of the king, with all of that power, with all of that access, to be distracted by money, to be distracted by wine, to be distracted by all of the opportunities for pretty women that there are. But no, the good wife is more precious than any of that. And notice the advice that he gives to these boys. Give her a share in the work of her hands. Let her sit in the city gate. Acknowledge that she is, in fact, a big part of your success. But all through the book of Proverbs, wisdom has been personified as a woman. She has killed her animal and, and made her sacrifice. She's prepared her table. She's poured her wine. She invites the simple to come and eat. Um, 
she plays with God at creation and, and is part of God's creation. All throughout this book, wisdom is personified as a woman. And this last time, wisdom is personified as the good wife. So it raises the question for these young men. This is what the author wants them to be thinking about. Where do I find wisdom? Do I find wisdom at the king's table or at my table at home? And the answer is at your table at home. Don't be distracted by all of this access to power. This is not where the good life is to be lived. This is not where wisdom is to be found. Wisdom is to be found at home. Why have all of that power in the first place if we're not about the business of protecting the community so that families can prosper? That's what this is about. Um, Jesus is saying essentially the same thing to his disciples. This comes after Peter's confession. Um, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Well, maybe one of the prophets, maybe John the Baptist, maybe Elijah. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And he begins to predict his passion. Peter takes him aside and says, God forbid it, Lord, that this should ever happen to you. Jesus rebukes him and says, you're setting your mind on earthly things, not heavenly things. And now they're walking about Galilee by themselves. No one else is with them. And Jesus is instructing his disciples that he must go up to Jerusalem and be surrendered into sinful hands. These poor disciples just don't get it. Um, we're told that they don't understand and they're afraid to ask. They get into the house in Capernaum and Jesus says, what were you arguing about on the road? And they don't respond because on the road they were arguing about who would be the greatest. In another gospel, it's even phrased, who gets to sit at the left hand and the right hand of Jesus when he comes in glory? Who has access to power? Who has access to the king? And Jesus does a remarkable thing. He takes a little child, and in your translation there it says, and he placed it in their midst. I never did quite get that. There's a word for child in Greek that implies a young child, and it's grammatically neuter. Um, there is an age in societies like Greece um, at which children take on identities. Um, before that age, they don't have identities. I didn't get that until I went to Africa. We were sitting in the compound one day, and Ada, who kind of did our cooking and, and organizing for us, brought her son into the compound every day. And one day she brought in a little girl, dressed in a pink dress and, and bows and hair. And I thought, who is this little girl? And then I looked more closely, and it was most, her son. He's not gendered yet. Um, to them, he's just a child. And so whatever clothes you happen to have handy, you dress the child in those clothes. When you think about it, when 50% of the children die before their fifth birthday, you're not going to invest a lot of energy into giving that child an identity until you're pretty sure it's going to survive. So Jesus takes one of these children, one of these dirty street urchins who just kind of run around at the feet of everybody in the village, sets that child in the middle of the disciples and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. This child, without an identity, without even a gender yet, is God's ambassador. Where is 
power in this picture? Is it sitting next to Jesus at the table in the kingdom? No. It's with the child running around the village square. Where is power for us? Is it at the king's table here? Or is it out there with the kids? It's out there with the kids. I went to a celebration of new ministry at one of the parishes in the Diocese of Missouri this Wednesday. It was a lovely service. Um, everybody was dressed in their finery. The choir was well rehearsed. Uh, the bell choir did its beautiful thing. Um, the preacher, who had known the new rector at a previous place, got into the pulpit and preached the sermon, and it was a, a fine sermon. Um, he talked about how wonderful a man this new rector was and how much this parish would come to love him and what a wonderful and wise parish this was um, to have chosen this person as their rector. And he used lots of great metaphors and, and all of that. And we got to the end of the sermon and I thought to myself, well, that was nice, but it was a waste of a perfectly good 20 minutes. Um, I find that I have less and less patience for the institutional aspects of the church and am more and more interested in the missional aspects of the church. And this was a wonderful sermon about the institutional aspects of the church. Isn't this great? But there was no challenge to me, to the congregation, to this new rector. What are we going to do? How are we going to live? What are we going to change? Um, Jesus never leaves us without a challenge. His power to be found here at the king's table, or is it to be found somewhere out there? Now, we've done our little part. We raised over 500 pounds of produce now to feed my people, and we're not going to raise chickens. Um, <laughs> but we didn't do it for us. I mean, it's great. That garden is a great thing. But we did it for the folks that feed my people. It made a small difference, but it made a difference. The difference it made was in us. Where is power? We got a personal, I mean, we, every time we contribute food to Feed My People, we get a note thanking us for contributing food and how many pounds of food we contributed. We got a personalized note, actually typed out on the typewriter, thanking us for all of this produce that we've given and the good that it's done and reminding us that in these tight times, particularly as people were getting ready to go back to school and money was tight and buying school supplies was difficult, it made a difference to these folks to be able to have this produce so that they didn't have to spend that money um, on food but could spend it on school supplies. Where is power? Is it at the king's table having the king's ear? Or is it out there with the children who don't have gender yet, with the marginal in society, with the people on the edges? Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but the one who sent me. Those folks are God's ambassadors. That's where we need to be. That's who we need to be listening to. That's where we will find wisdom and discover how to live the good life. Amen. Um,